Hello and welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. And we have with us special guest. I'm Larry. Larry, welcome. The man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> just a man. <laughs> You're you a legend know that, in my book. Just go with it. So I, don't know I get that. to take your job today, Jake. Sweet. We're switching things up a little bit. We're switching bit. things up because you guys in the past have let I, me nerd out about so many things, and we just did a whole bunch of Star Wars. You guys just let me. Australia. Yes, Australia, mm-hmm. a bunch of things. Yeah. All Every time I want to talk about Spider-Man, you're like, sure. I don't know if it's because you're afraid of me or because you just have as much fun as I do or maybe <laughs> yeah. both. I don't care. But today, all three of you guys get to nerd out about Rush. I do want to say I'm a little nervous. I don't know if I know enough swears to take your job. I don't know if you're gonna oh, take I'm still going to do the swearing. <laughs> okay, good. All right. As long I'll as we've got that set. I'll still take all right. care of the swears. Each of you gets a swear, but I'm going to use all of them. Is there a swear counter for the show? I just He is the swear counter. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we usually each get one, yeah. but nobody mm. can say the F or the B word. Right. 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 We try and be very peachy. That's close. Because yeah. I almost just did. Just, <laughs> just to get him out of the way. on the edge. <laughs> so I have to admit that I do enjoy Rush's music, mm-hmm. but I can't tell you any of the people's names in the band. Don't that's, hate me. That's fine. It is one of my favorite bands to play on rock band if anybody still even plays that Love game yes. rock band. when yes. i worked at the planetarium i really liked playing rush's music and doing all the lasers to it but i'm not like you guys are you're like major fans right. um and so you wanted to watch this documentary and i um watched it uh three times it took me three times to get all the way through that's okay. Uh, but I'm really excited to talk with you guys about it and see and hear all your nerdiness today. Well, there's not a ton of female Rush fans, so... That's true. <laughs> Why is that, do you think? Because their music's great. It, it was it was kind of a nerdy thing when yeah. in the 70s, especially in the 80s. It was very much a... In the a, 90s. Kind of a cult. And the knots. Not as, and the, not as, the not as much. They became a little more mainstream. Yeah, and then did. in the aughts, they really became more mainstream. Oh, the aughts. Sorry, not do you, the yes. aughts. Do you think that SpongeBob helped Rush become bigger with the younger crowd? I'm not aware of SpongeBob and Rush. There are a few a uh, SpongeBob episodes that play, pay homage to Rush. Uh, I didn't so, know that. I knew yeah. that uh, sure. Aqua Teen Hunger Force did. South yeah. Park did several. Yeah. yeah. I think it, just as Rush fans have gotten... Older and into positions where they can put Rush out there mm-hmm. in the mainstream. Push mm-hmm. it on other people. Yeah, that it's become, <laughs> it's become more mainstream. Yeah. The now, Rush Larry, evangelism. You've pushed, you've pushed Rush on your kids. Your kids are musicians, right? Well, I didn't really push it on them. You just played it. I just and introduced them, to them love but it. they definitely are uh, big time mu- musicians and, and guitarists. And uh, we attended the, one of the very final Rush shows together in nice. Las Vegas, which was really cool. And I was at that Vegas show. Yeah. I saw And it. Tracy was there, too. I didn't know where he <laughs> we were. We sat right behind him, but he didn't know where we were. <laughs> oh, that was you? Oh, sorry. Larry. Sorry about that spilled drink. <laughs> so let's get into the documentary. Yeah. So it's uh, Rush Beyond the Lighted Stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out in 2010. Uh, a couple of uh, documentary filmmakers went up to the band through their management and said, we'd like to do a documentary. And originally they said no, because they said, we're way too boring and we're going to ruin your movie. And these two filmmakers, um, the Duns, or no, Seth McFadden and Sam Dunn. I knew one of the two. For some reason, I thought they were both. thought they were brothers, but they're not. Um, anyway, finally convinced the band and put together quite an entertaining little documentary. They weren't quite as boring as they thought they were. Really. Yeah. I mean, it took me three times. <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious about that. Like, so you weren't, are you not entertained? You weren't enraptured by the, by the film. I'm going to say, you I mean, honest. one time I had some toxic things in my body. So uh, I just kind of passed out. Gotcha. Um, That's fair. <laughs> and the second two times. Yeah. It just like, I don't, I don't know that it wasn't that I was under t- entertained not entertained. Um, I just think that when it's I watch the subject things, matter, isn't as big of a deal for you. Yeah. Right? I think, I don't know. Yeah. And I love documentaries like mm-hmm. that. I probably watch at least, I don't know, three or four documentaries a week. It's my favorite thing. Um, but I don't know why it took me a couple of times to get through it. Mm. It could have just been that week. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. yeah. I'm a little because shocked. my couch is very comfortable and I just like to sleep. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it's an hour and 47 minutes. Long. Yeah, it's, um, it's available on Netflix. It's it available on 
Blu-ray and DVD. Um, yeah, I think you can get it through a lot of the streaming. iTunes. Yeah, uh-huh. like iTunes and Amazon. Yeah. But right now it's on Netflix, so it's a great time to go and check it out if you haven't seen it. And I think it had a big boost of viewership because yeah. something <laughs> very sad happened recently. Yeah, so un- about six weeks ago, um, Neil Peart, who is the who was the the drummer for the band for since 1979, I believe. Yeah, he's no, the, before 70, that. Yeah, I yeah, was going to say 77. Yes. No, before that. Anyway. Had to be um, like 74. He passed away from brain cancer, um, a very aggressive form of brain cancer. They said most people only last four to six months when they're diagnosed. And he survived for three and a half more years. Wow. So um, left behind a, an 11 year old daughter and his wife, which is, tragic he had he had quite the interesting life uh so that was not his natural birth daughter but somebody he yes. sort of adopted and his that was his second wife as well no they had that child together he and carrie i believe you <laughs> i guess <laughs> i'm 99.9 sure i'll let you guys look anyway <laughs> I'm not getting in the middle of it. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's irrelevant. He loved her. But, she yeah. loved him. That's um, the important thing. But yeah. back in the early 2000s, um, his daughter got killed in a car accident. Um, she was 18. Mm-hmm. And then like nine months later, his wife died of cancer. Oh, wow. And so um, it's really interesting. He went on. He basically shut down and he went into hiding and didn't talk to people and then finally was like i'm gonna end up killing myself if i don't do something um so he took his motorcycle and he rode all over north america all over canada went down into south america for like nine months just on the road every day all day um just trying to heal and find his way back to the living um Mm -hmm. came back through california and the band's photographer introduced him to his second wife carrie um they got married and She's also a photographer. She is a photographer. She has a very good book featuring Neil. It's really interesting and not uh, glamorous rock and roll shots at all, but mm-hmm. the, the intimate details that make up a drummer's hands. And it, it's very good. His rock calluses. And, yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> so how when, when were you introduced to the, to the band? What's your... So I was introduced later in life. And by later, I mean my early 20s. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's not that late in life, but... Um, I had a, a couple of friends who were like, hey, you got to check out Rush. Uh, they were way into music. <laughs> I like music. Um, and I had a pretty eclectic taste. And I said, okay, I'll give them a try. I've heard of them, but I wasn't really familiar with anything that they had done outside of like Tom Sawyer. I mean, that was kind of the one that, the I, big that I knew for sure. FM radio hit. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they had me listen to a couple of their newer uh, albums. I think Vapor Trails had been out mm. at that point and – and Tess were, I, I like these guys quite a bit and started mm-hmm. getting into them. And, and their music just kind of resonated with me at that point. And um, I've been listening to them ever since. So it's probably been almost 20 years now. So Very what cool. level of uh, fan would you assign yourself? I don't know if you want to do it by number, but how in, how much into Rush are you? I would say they're, they're probably top three bands for me. Mm-hmm. But – Getting into the music and getting into the culture behind Rush, I know I don't compare to the other two that are sitting well. here as far as that goes. But, I mean, I love their music. Right. Um, I After we got married, my wife and I, we didn't go to a lot of concerts because she's not a big crowd person, big loud music person. But every time Rush came to town, uh, she knew we were going. And so that was the one band that I kind of put my foot down and said, yeah, we're, we're going this to the show this when they're in town. Cool. So. You're going to like it and you're going to like it. <laughs> Definitely not a contest, by the way. I just wondered because of your background. Are you? Well, pretty big. I mean, and there's, I'm sure there's bigger Rush fans in the world, um, but I've liked them. I, I found a cassette tape as a kid in my neighborhood in the gutter that somebody nice. had thrown out their window. And some of the tape was hanging out or whatever. So, so you got your, spen- your so, pencil yes, eraser out. We did. We fixed that. We fixed that tape and we put it in and it was Rush. And the song I remember is Free Will from that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I mean, that didn't can like transform me into a Rush fan. I was mm-hmm. just a kid, but it certainly made me aware of them. And then uh, honestly, Rush has been the soundtrack of my life. Yeah. I mean, it's just been from through teenage years all those angsty terrible years mm-hmm. when we all are figuring out who we are rush was there and um into dating life and my married life and my life with my kids 
um, and them growing up and loving music. Rush has been, you know, along the way. So I was really surprised actually when, uh, this is still answering that question. Mm -hmm. What a long answer. I was really surprised (laughs) when, when people die that I don't know, I never get emotional about them. Well, hardly ever. And, uh, so I was really emotionally, really affected when Neil Parrott died. And the reason why is not because he's a great drummer, but because of his lyrics, Mm -hmm. because those Mm -hmm. songs had such meaning to me in so many ways and so many, I just so much, it's literally the soundtrack of my life. So, I mean, not solely, but definitely part of the symphony that makes up my life. So it was a, a, it, he was not my friend, but his lyrics sure were. So Absolutely. it was a big, it was a big thing to me. So that's how much of a fan I am. Yeah. And I have to say on social media that week, or actually for about two and a half weeks, mm-hmm. um, all I saw was like lyric quotes from Tracy and lyric quotes from Larry, <laughs> <laughs> lyric quotes from, I mean, a ton of my other friends. And I remember yeah. going to a Rush panel at fan X. Mm-hmm. And one thing I sat there and took, cause I'm like, I really want to go and learn more about rush because I like the music, but I really don't know a whole lot behind it. I do like the lyrics. I like the mute, you know, the music mm-hmm. is very easy to listen to for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad's a musician. He's a percussionist. And so for nice. me, I'm like, there is a lot of that <laughs> happening in rush music. So I mean, I'm a fan, but what I noticed was that rush fans are hugely passionate mm-hmm. and they both in the good way of happiness and can get very angry um, and upset about what albums were the best. And then some albums just sucked. I sat in there and I, I thought there was, they were going to throw down. Why do you think that rush fans can like just turn on a dime like that I, I and throw their cassette tapes out I, the window? <laughs> well, it's interesting because the, they as a band were fiercely independent and, mm-hmm. and Neil mentions that in the documentary. He's like, no, you can't tell us what to do. No, you can't categorize this. And all three of them were very open into exploring other genres, but still keeping the Rush sound. So there's a lot of people, uh, their early stuff sounded a lot like Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. Um, They were very influenced by Cream, um, by The Who. And so it was kind of that type of blues rock that they played. Then they went a little bit more sci-fi with 2112. Then in the 80s, they went more with the keyboards. And so then people were like, oh, they lost their, can I say balls? Yeah. Okay. Um, people would say that. I, I had heard that before. They, we have to the, check with dad when we golf, want to say balls. Golf balls. Golf balls. They lost their golf balls. <laughs> and they chickened out and they went to um, synthesizers instead of having the loud guitar-driven sound. You mean they were experimenting with the, new music right? and sounds? Exactly. How crazy really? of them. They went kind of reggae a little bit at times. Um, Stuart Copeland from The Police was a big influence yeah. on them. Um, and so they kind of reflected on what they were interested in. And then Neil started to travel the world. He went to Africa, did a bike trip through Africa, and learned all these tribal drum patterns and started introducing those into him. So... There's a lot of people who are like, their last good album was Moving Pictures. That's it. There's nothing else. (laughs) And then there's other people who are like, I only like the newer stuff. I like some of their really early stuff, but not a ton. Like Caress of Steel, I just can't really get yeah, into Caress it. Caress of Steel is kind of a hard one to get into. It's, unless it was one that like you grew you up there. on. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So I was introduced. Larry feels um, differently. Larry's like, I like all of it. He's like me with Star Wars. I like all of it. I don't care what you say. I do too, but there, there, there are certain songs early on that I just don't. You don't feel. They're, they're, you don't not, feel they're not as moving to me. Um, I came, I was introduced into the band right, um, after Presto came out, right when Roll the Bones was getting ready to come out. Um, my first album was Hold Your Fire, which was very keyboard driven, very synthesizer driven. So that's kind of, I I was okay with that. That's how I fell in love with the band. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to get into the early stuff, uh. Um, like, where are the synthesizers? Why yeah. are they Because <laughs> the early stuff is very, there, very There's different. a song about the French Revolution and mm-hmm. there's a... Uh, Bastille Day. That sounds uh-huh. amazing. Yeah. So... Well, I'll soapbox a minute. Please. Um, one, any Rush fan who gets upset with another Rush fan is... That's absurd. Like, l- really absurd. I watched so, it happen, Well, man. I'm sure... I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not denying the existence of it, but I'm just saying they really need to check themselves. I mean, because... I just that who cares? Like, like, you know, let people enjoy the band however they want to. Exactly. Uh, And, and the whole point of being in a band like rush or any band is, Hey, we can try new stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, so 
people for whatever weird reason, lots of bands face this. Their fans put them in a very small mm-hmm. box. And mm-hmm. anytime they leave that box, the fans get upset as if they have the right to decide what kind of music they should write, well, which is absurd. But it happens. I might get in trouble for um, comparing Rush to Eminem, but it, I won't get like I won't get upset. I made that. a comment on social media a couple of weeks ago because Eminem had a new album come out and people that love Eminem hated it because they're like, it just, you know, he doesn't sound like him. And mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, so you liked uh, Eminem to begin with because he stepped outside the box. He didn't he did didn't different. sound or look like anyone else there. And he pushed the boundaries. Now he put out an album that's pushing the boundaries that doesn't sound like anything that's out there. And you're, you it don't, like, you it. don't it. like it. Yeah. So it's exactly he's being exactly who you think he is mm-hmm. and why you liked him in the first place. Yeah. And that seems like when I was sitting through the Rush panel, it was, well, we really liked them because they were so different and they were so out of the box. <laughs> and, they just, and, that, and every album to me, when people were describing it, was so different and it so is. out of the box. Absolutely. And everyone has their favorite. And I, that's music, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that isn't to say like, there's definitely albums I like more than others. Absolutely. Uh, but, um, Oh, I did fact check. That's the other thing I had to say. 1974, Neil joined Thank the you. band and absolutely that was their daughter, not, yes. not just her daughter. So I'm mistaken about that. So that means he lost a daughter and then left a daughter behind. Yeah. Uh, when he, when they stopped touring, it may have had to do with health. They mm-hmm. don't have to be transparent. They don't owe that to us. But he did no. say one of the reasons was there's a six year old person who likes me mm-hmm. and I want to spend time with her, mm-hmm. which yeah, is his right to do. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. My, my understanding is he learned after they had retired that he had cancer shortly after um, must have been. It was, it was shortly yeah. after, but that's, and, and it's interesting. I was talking to Jake before you came up, there's been some talk lately um, from some of the musicians who claim to have known him very well, um, who are putting out some some interesting and false statements. Um, mm. The the guy from Godsmack said Neil was in a wheelchair the last eighteen months. I talked to a very close friend of Neil's over the weekend. Uh, that's absolutely not true. Neil mm. was never in a wheelchair. He's like at the end of his life, he wasn't doing really well, as can be expected. That's why. He died. But he wasn't in a wheelchair. Um, he had full facility, all his faculties. Um, right up until the end. So, Interesting. so as big fans and you get this documentary that comes out, are you watching it and you're just engulfed? Or are there parts where you, you didn't know certain things or were there parts that you were just like, that is not, you know, that's not <laughs> who I thought Rush was. For, for me, um, there was a lot in there that it was like, Oh, this is cool to learn, learn about them. Cause I really only knew their music. Um, and I didn't know a lot of their, their story and a lot of their mm-hmm. history. And so you don't for me, know one of their really... best friends that you can call over the weekend. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> but, but one of my best does that friends, guy know Steven? Does, one of my best friends knows th- that. Best friend. <laughs> so, but so for me, it was, it, I loved watching this documentary when it came out and learning, kind of getting to see behind the scenes mm-hmm. because really they were like, three, three best friends. I mean, they yeah. had this lifelong bond and friendship to me. That's um, what comes through most in yeah. this documentary is their love for each other. I agree. And, and I think that, you know, if you're not into the band as much, I think that makes it a little bit like my wife watches it with me. She's like, I just don't, it's like three guys just hanging out the whole time. Like, yeah, but that's cool. Like it's really <laughs> kind of fun to watch. I want two other guys to hang out with. Is that what you're thinking the whole time? Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's here we I, are. Here you are. Here we are. And then me. Yes. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting because the mainstream media did not like Rush when they came out. Why? Uh, they got uh, let, major. To be really tr- accurate, they almost never liked Rush until mm-hmm. like they were forced to. Like oh, when they got in the Music Hall of Fame, oh, for sure. they were like, okay, but we have to like, admit they're kind of good. His, and they're on a Getty's, video game. After yeah. like 40 <laughs> years. Yeah. Of, Getty's early voices yeah. can be a little bit high pitched. <laughs> you wore some tight pants. <laughs> and, and, yes. And they wore kimonos and, but Rolling Stone hated them. A lot of the critics hated them. And so Rush kind of became this insider band. It was like almost a, a garage band almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was this little underground group. And then I think as those editors and writers retired and, and left the game, you had new reporters coming in who started to give them more credit. Um, they started to become more mainstream. I think what really propelled them more into the mainstream than anything was their uh, appearance on the Colbert Report. 
I think it was a few things. I actually think the movie we're discussing is one of those things. It was mm-hmm. released in theaters, mm-hmm. and it um, that's where I saw it, and I think it did quite well for for a, a short run it film did. for a documentary. I think it was uh, in the their prominent appearance and plot point in uh, oh, the movie with Paul Rudd. You, I, I love you, man. man. Yes. I, yeah. So those guys were, <laughs> were Rush the fans. They were nerds mm-hmm. like us, but they happened to be filmmakers who then took this band and put it in the cineplex with movie stars mm-hmm. and impossible to ignore at that point. And uh, Rolling Stone never until literally until it was like the end the final. Right. Then they were like, mm-hmm. Oh, they slathered rush with praise. And, and right. I mean, it's they irritating. They finally did an article. It's actually genuinely <laughs> irritating. Like, you know, Rolling Stone thinks of itself as the, as the, you know, record of the music industry. Mm-hmm. And then they, Badly underserved their audience by not explaining, oh, hey, here's this band. If you like complex lyrics and complex themes and complex music, maybe you should check it out. Mm-hmm. They didn't ever do that. Well, it's interesting no, because. Much to their shame. And, and they've influenced so many other bands. Primus would not be around without Rush. I love that. Tool would not be around without Rush. Dream uh, Queens, Theater. Right, Dream, Dream Theater. Theater. Um, so many bands, even the Foo Fighters, they were huge <laughs> Rough Fighters. And in fact, the Foo Fighters inducted them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. Dressed yeah. in um, kimonos. If you want a great laugh, <laughs> uh, you should watch the, the acceptance speech. So Neil Maybe gets we should up, post it on our Facebook. Page. Neil gets you up should. and does this very eloquent short speech because he was very shy. That's the yeah. other thing, too, is people often are like and they mentioned this in the documentary. They do. Yeah. Um, where they're like he would come across as being cold or distant. And he really wasn't. He just didn't like people paying attention to him. He, he, just, he couldn't he give like him the, the concept fame. that somebody would want to come up and be yeah. giddy and worship him for like, hey, man, I just play drums. I just hit things like, with I, sticks like, is what he would say. Yeah. person like another person. <laughs> well, and it made him uncomfortable. And it seemed like all of them, like, I don't think they were doing this for the fame or for the no. recognition. I mean, obviously they want to be successful. But as you watch the documentary, I think that comes out quite a bit. And I love the story that, that Gene Simmons shares about when they're touring with Kiss. He's like, I mean, we've got girls up there and everything. And they're like just in their hotel rooms reading, you know, that was kind of what they did. And he was wondering saw, what was wrong with them. I saw a different interview with Gene Simmons. And he said that he came up to Getty, who's the lead singer, and said, I've got some blow and some chicks up in my uh, hotel room. You want to come? And he's like, no, I need to kind of rest my voice for tomorrow. So, cause we got a show. Yeah. Okay. Well, what about your guitarist? And he's like, um, he's talking to his wife on the phone. So probably not. He's like, what about your drummer? Drummers love to party. And he's like, He's been reading Aristotle in his room. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Gene Simmons, like they're great musicians. They're not rock stars. No. And in fact, after they had been touring for so long and they had recorded, I think, Caress of Steel in England. And then uh-huh. after that, they said, we've got to slow down. And they started. And that's when they, you know, came back to Canada, recorded there and um, kind of slowed everything down because they had young families. And they mm-hmm. that was important to them. Like they all Getty in the documentary says at one point, music was just a part of who we were. It right. wasn't everything that we were are we allowed to throw shade on this podcast yes yeah, yeah. oh then please allow this me. is an open book <laughs> as long as you don't say the b's and oh, the no. f's so on two occasions i've <laughs> had the displeasure maybe three really to be around gene simmons and he is one of the most deplorable people I, I heard that like? he, uh cigarettes actually Ew. and sweat but oh. i don't know if you know this larry she's obsessed with what celebrities smell like so she, i'm gonna start oh, um yeah a blog stinks. where i just but, smell celebrities uh, i mean he was he was uh <laughs> no joke we'll gather some scent next time but he, <laughs> as a woman he was around women right and he treated them awful literally like he's not dead right no he's he still, treats them he's still unfortunately Oh my God. Um, <laughs> let me finish my sentence. Okay, sorry. Unfortunately, he's still outperforming. Uh, okay. But he treated women literally like they were like that. This is cliche. So people don't really get what this means. Literally second class people, yeah. citizens. So I was in a company uh, environment and there was a woman there who was in charge and he would not address her. Oh, wow. So he addressed her subordinates and said, tell her. After he had smacked her on the butt wow. and like just really awful. He's the worst you can imagine. He's worse than that. Anyway, wow. um, Rush was not like that. No. Right? I mean, no, which is not. one of the things that's nice about the band. Mm-hmm. They didn't they didn't live that. Uh, I mean, cool if you want to live that rock. No condemnation of living the rock right. and roll lifestyle. But it was refreshing and interesting and unique that they were 
um, taking a scholarly approach yeah. to rock and roll music. It's Neil would tour art museums the day before a show. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's, I don't know where I was going. Go ahead. Well, and I, I, I like that, you know, Gene Simmons is a horrible human being. And I agree a hundred percent from everything that I know about him, which is, you know, but I knew none of this. Yeah. <laughs> he does have a long tongue, though. but what the, yeah, he does. Um, but what Rush took away from touring with Kiss is how to work hard. Because I don't yes. know if there's a lot of bands out there that work harder than Kiss yes. when they're touring or especially when they were younger. But Rush kind of took that worker mentality mm -hmm. on and saw that they could, you know, do that. And so it was interesting that they would take the kind of the best pieces of these different bands and groups that they toured with and, and they became were, their own thing. They were actually friends. Like the bands yeah. were friends. And so my you can exposure. You friends with people that you don't agree with. Yeah, but my exposure doesn't absolutely define Gene Simmons. And, you know, if Getty Lee could stand to be around him, like, there must be something redeemable there. Right, but, right. but my interactions were terrible. I, yes. I have heard some stories about, about Gene. But I love, I, and I think they mentioned the documentary where Getty's like, his, his mom would just be like, they're just a couple of nice Canadian boys. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what was your favorite part of the documentary as a fan? Like, do you remember a part and you're just like, oh, I love that part? One of the most interesting pieces to me is when they actually have footage of Alex as a young man. Yeah. Yes. This, this is home video that they shot. And he's telling his parents that he doesn't want to go to school. He wants to become a musician. And his parents are trying to talk him out of it. And he's like, I don't understand why I need to go to school to be a musician. Yeah. And they're having and there's this this passion in him and it, it's not a flat it's not a reenacted flashback no this is real actual footage i want to know the context of that footage because right? who like does home video of an intervention that they're having with their son <laughs> that he needs to was, stay in we're school we're going to show this to him later and say we told you we so told teach him a they lesson. can't because alex you'll learn your lesson <laughs> and, and i love that story because his parents who are from yugoslavia yeah you know, war torn Yugoslavia and they come to Canada to give their kids a better life and opportunity at a better life. And here their son is like, well, I'm not going to stay in school through grade 12. I'm going to go out and be a rock star. <laughs> and they're like, what we have failed. Yeah. Like everything no, we wanted to, to do Canada where yeah. you can just like, I'm just going to do what I want. People will <laughs> let me. That's what Canada's all about. Well, they, they, um, Alex and, and Getty met when they were in junior high. Um, and then when they were in high school, they had an original drummer, John Rutsey, um, and then they did, they produced the first album. They toured with it a little bit. And as they were getting ready to do a second one, um, John was like, you know what? This touring life just isn't, well, well, not, isn't for not me. He had some John, health issues too. Yeah, his, his, the management kind of pulled yeah. the other guys aside and said, yo, this isn't going to work with him. Mm -hmm. And this was 12 days before that tour. Yeah. And, yeah. and they, uh, auditioned Neil and uh who was working in an auto parts store for his dad yeah he was working for his dad and <laughs> and they you know this listen if you don't if you don't understand how good neil really is those yeah. you can i mean he's phenomenal and he yeah, was then incredible. it's not like he he did get better surely but if you go listen to those early drum mm -hmm. solos he was doing the same things he was doing much later uh he was a very good drummer so imagine this dude pops up to audition for your band and he can just play anything. play things like in just ways that others just can't i mean or or weren't at least yeah well and i love when alex is describing that and he says he gets out of the car and i'm just thinking this guy's not cool enough and i love that it's alex <laughs> that says this guy's not cool enough because of the three of them alex just has the most the dad look like he is well, he I, would, Jake I would argue getty is the least cool <laughs> really yeah all right but but he has the it's, coolest name it's debatable yeah but, but, but getty has the coolest name it's made up yeah, it's not his real all name. names are made I up <laughs> thanks thor <laughs> but, but i love that he's like he's, he's not, i also love that when they're talking about john rutsey's health issues mm -hmm. that they keep calling it sugar diabetes and i don't know is there another kind of diabetes <laughs> that isn't sugar related? carbohydrate I mean, maybe, so yeah, I don't maybe know. in canada carbs are sugars uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um do i get to answer that question yeah my yes. favorite part i know here's there's some always been these like kind of myths that have uh rolled around about rush and i don't know if you guys might not have been in the rush field or fold soon mm -hmm. enough but in the 80s the early 80s there was this like rock is the devil devil's oh, yeah. music mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so rush back in when i was in little i don't remember how old but it actually meant rock under satan's hand yes, yes i've heard that <laughs> and so there's all these myths around about rush and then you might 
in those days, there's no Google. And so you might see them in a magazine or something and they have tight pants and they look a little weird, a little camel toe and those kimonos. Like right. this is kind of some weird stuff. So it was nice to see the documentary. Well, then you had the star, the circle right. with oh, the, the star right. in the background. Yeah, which and reinforces the uh, uh, clearly satanic. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have to sidebar because there's one other factor I think that really also helped Rush. Uh, the book that Steven Spielberg made into a movie. Steven. Uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player yeah. One. We don't talk about the it, movie, but well, the book was great. I agree with you. It's <laughs> fantastic. The movie's crap. I 100% Sorry, agree. Steven, I love you. I, I would love to do a podcast on it. I hate it. Anyway. It but was the, the worst book, podcast we ever. Never did. We didn't even air it. It was we so did. bad. And the episode turned out so poor. We're like, nope. <laughs> the hidden secret of Ready Player One. Yeah. But in the book, Rush yes. is prominently yes. featured yes. as a plot device. Mm-hmm. And yes. in fact, it's shocking when it didn't get that it was so integral to the book. Right. Anyway, that helped. That's a hugely mm-hmm. popular book. Mm-hmm. And so I, lots of people are like, what? Who's what this? this? Rush Which, 2112. Right. What's the temples yeah. of Syria? Right. Yeah. So my favorite thing then back, sorry to jump topics and dominate the microphone. You're great, man. But my favorite thing was uh, to, to dispel some of those myths and then also to confirm some. Such as, well, Getty's parents survived the Holocaust. Right. Which right. sounds fantastically made up and weird. And what you might say about a rock band turns out to be true. And yeah. that's really nice to not only confirm that, but to see them on camera and talk and to see pictures of them and to be like, oh, these are real people with a real history, mm-hmm. which could have been much different. And just that kind of grounding in like reality, mm-hmm. suburbans of Canada, the suburban life of Canada is re- I just much I mean, I liked all the film, right? Mm-hmm. But those early years to see the yeah. grounding of humble kids, mm-hmm. middle class, low middle class, that I loved. And I I loved the scene. And I, and I thought of this when I saw Endgame for the first time, when the kids come up to Hulk and they want to get his picture. And then Ant-Man <laughs> is like, you, you want to get, get a picture with me? I'm Ant-Man. They're like, no. And then in this documentary, it actually happens with I Getty and Alex because the waitress is like, hey, can you sign this? Make this one. And she's like climbing over at Alex to get to Getty to have him sign the paper <laughs> and like getting a picture of him. And do, do you want his autograph, too? She's like, no, nah, whatever. And I'm like, because Getty is just he's just very recognizable. Yes. And Alex is just like any other, other middle aged white mm-hmm. guy out there. And he's just just out there, you know. Yeah. And, but and, and I love how and Getty talks about fame. And he says, I figured early on that if somebody's going to come up and they're going to be nice to me and they're going to ask politely for an autograph, I've got time to give them one. And he's like, Neil doesn't like the adulation, so he would not. Um, But he's like, you know, what? that's how we handle it. So they always were kind of the front um, part of the band. You get Neil for like interviews and stuff like that. But in terms of like fan interaction, yeah, uh, he didn't he didn't do that. And they show some fans in, at a concert at one point where they've got the backstage passes and they're getting their <laughs> photos and there's Getty on one side and Alex on the other and Neil's back in the back room <laughs> the getting drama, ready for the yeah. show. You know? if, is there something that you wish the documentary would have covered that didn't? I don't think so. I really I, I wish that we could almost have an addendum to the film now to, to yeah. talk more about the rock and roll hall of fame introduction. Uh, and I mean, honestly, that's vital at this mm-hmm. point, right? Cause I the agree. story wasn't finished. Right. And, and there is some heavy stuff not told in the documentary. Yeah. So yeah. let's do that. Let's make so that. I would love to see, and, you guys and should do that. Yeah, let's I, mean, you know I, a guy. I think Larry's saying, like, let's do it. Like, right. <laughs> Larry's got cameras. Do it. <laughs> You've got connections. Let's make this happen. Well, and it's it's interesting, too, because um, Neil being such a private person, he's fighting this battle with cancer. He didn't want it known in the traits. He didn't want publicity about it. He didn't want to be the sick guy. And so there was – and when I talked to my friend who knew him really well, he said when it first was diagnosed, he was one of, like, six people that knew. And then it slowly became a little wider and became a little wider. And he's like, towards the end, there was over a hundred people who knew and people would sometimes contact Kevin and be like, Hey, I know what's going on. He's like, how do you know what's going on? And none of them said a word. And then he passes on like a Tuesday and the family asked for like two or three days before a press release would come out. And everybody honored that. And I think that is such a testament to, what this man meant when for the news people. story broke that he had passed away. And it was, I, I think it was on a Thursday or a Friday. It was, it was a Thursday. I was just amazed. I was reading. First of all, it blew me away. Yeah. I think you were the first person I texted when I mm-hmm. read it and said, and, and did and you I see this? I had just finished the article when you texted me. Yeah. And, 
and that, so it blew me away from from that aspect. Just shocked, but then to see that he had actually passed on the previous Tuesday, this day and age, like the, that, just speaks volumes of the respect that people close to him had for him and for his want to in this to era be, of TMZ. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean it's just incredible. Yeah. Not very on topic of the film, but very on topic of Rush. Mm-hmm. I, I find often when celebrities die, um, the whole world mourns and people speak up and feel sad. And there's this outpouring of emotion and they leave flowers and they make memorials. and All that is really cool. And I always think it's just too bad that the person who died can't see any of that. I agree with that. I, I always feel like that's kind of a jip for that person. Uh, so when I'm going to die, if you guys will just announce that a week ahead of time. I'll sit back and watch it. <laughs> but it's a heads up. But I mean, Neil wouldn't really have loved it, I guess. Right, right. I guess. But I think he would have secretly because I don't think any he person can see that sure. outpouring of emotion and respect and and not just from fans, but from lots of, you know, amazing musicians. And I know they many of them did have a chance to talk to him and express that in a personal way, which is probably appreciated. But it's. It was pretty phenomenal, actually, mm-hmm. to see Rush make an impact on social media and the internet and mm-hmm. news outlets and KUTV, like the station I work for, they got it on the air, which is unusual. Exactly. So it's too bad. And and to me, it was kind of like like when Prince died, I was affected because I liked Prince, but I wasn't a diehard Prince fan. So then when Neil passed, I was like, OK, you get it. I get it. Yes. I get what those people were yeah. going through. Um, I, I'm with you, Larry. Celebrity, I, I don't get much into it. The celebrity deaths, I don't get much into. I'll, oftentimes, you'll hear it and you're like, "Oh, that's too bad." That one hit me like a ton of bricks. Well, I remember I was sitting at my desk up here and sent Larry the link, and then I was responded to text from you, and then I'm trying to text yeah. my friend, and um, it was it was a rough rough day. Well, I thought about that a lot, and like, why did that affect me? But I I I don't know the answer. But the number of hours I've listened to Neil mm-hmm. Peart's words in my head is a lot of hours, yeah. a lot. And so for me, that's why he. I never spoke to him, but he spoke to me right. for ten thousand hours or twenty. I don't know how many, but a lot of hours. He was poet. Plus, I was trying to pick apart those. That drum playing, but more the words for me. It was those mm-hmm. lyrics. He spoke to me, mm-hmm. and that's why his voice was silent. That was a big loss. I'm going to go ahead and stay on topic and quote uh, J-Lo. <laughs> uh, she was talking to the press before she, the day before that she did the halftime show, and mm-hmm. people were bringing up, you know, are you going to do something for Kobe and Kobe Bryant? Because, you know, there's a lot of people mourning his death right now, and he touched a lot of people, and he doesn't even have music. He's, you know, an athlete. Um and so it's not you'd watch him, but you're not it's not the same to me, I guess, as as music and movies. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. it, it, I I get why people are having a hard time. But she said, you know, uh, we need to celebrate and show our love for people when they're alive, not after. Good job, J-Lo. You know, not after they've passed. And mm-hmm. they did like a small something for him there. But she said, you know, we we, we should celebrate people while they're alive, while they're 100%, 100%. here. And I, when she said that, I was like, yeah, I mean, let's. I'm on board. You know, mm-hmm. let's 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 actually tell people we like them when they can hear us. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Way to go, J-Lo. And if you didn't see the picture of her in the bi- her bikini on Instagram, you should do that. So there was still a question out. I did not see the picture. Yeah. Um, it saved me from eating a donut this week. I'm just going to say I was going to eat a donut, and then I saw her body nope. in a bikini, and I was like, I'll eat the banana. No, that is a powerful <laughs> picture. Yeah, I have it on my phone, so every time I think of donuts now, I'm just there, look at There J-Lo. is a big question floating about the podcast of what is not in the film that should be in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And we all agree the ending, which couldn't have been filmed mm-hmm. yet, which right. should be. Uh, the, the other thing I really wish they had addressed is sort of all those – uh, satanic rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. I would have liked to at least spend 30 seconds on that because it's so hilarious now. Well, and, and Neil one time wrote an article to one of the, I can't remember which magazine it was, but he was like, dear grand inquisitor and was uh, like debunking. That this was guy's, it. I'm pretty sure that was it. Grand inquisitor. Yeah. yeah and so then he was like, <laughs> but he's like, so you say I worship the devil. He's like, I don't even know if I believe in the old guy. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. yeah. That would have been awesome. And Play then the albums backwards. And see yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, we could do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, there, the other thing wouldn't make the documentary, but which I will talk about on your podcast. Yeah. I was a, a unit producer for a film called ringers, Lord of the fans, which is a Lord of the rings film. And Getty interviewed for that film, and he oh. also licensed the song Rivendell. 
for one dollar to this little tiny independent oh, wow. film. Wow. Wow. A little cool. tiny independent. That's well, it's pretty small <laughs> film. Like it's people yeah. that like. Yeah. It's like if we made a film. Right. Anyway, uh, that's pretty awesome. Of getting, I'm saying we should make a film. <laughs> yeah, we should. So uh, come on. There's probably lots of little things like that mm-hmm. that they did um, that wouldn't be in the documentary, but. No one's going to say like, let's show the acts of kindness of Rush in this documentary. Right. But it, but they were real and they were there, and it kind of would have been cool. I would have appreciated some of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, they did a lot. They do a lot of charity work yes. um, that people don't they, because they they didn't seek out the spotlight. Um, even getting Alex didn't really do that. Um, Alex became a painter later in life, and he sold a lot of his artwork for charity. Um, they called it grapes under pressure cause they had an album called grace under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a wine art event. Getty loves wine. He was a wine collector. And is. puns. He loves puns. Yeah. Well. And so, so they would <laughs> Apparently. drink wine and look at art. And, um, Neil did a lot of charity work that, that wasn't reported. And I'm with you, Larry. There's a lot of stories there yeah. that, but that, but that kind of it, is who Rush is. They mm-hmm. do what they want to do because they want to do it and not because, they really care what other people think or Absolutely. want them to do or think that they should be. And I don't know. I think that's part of what has always, since I've gotten into the band, has attracted me to them and their music. So, Well, and the thing that I really like is so often when you have a rock bio or a rock documentary, it's all about how everything fell apart and how awful everything <laughs> was. And yeah, there there was a time when, when Neil's wife and – and daughter passed away that the wheels kind of came off and they had to regroup. And, but, but even that, it wasn't it falling wasn't, apart. Exactly. It wasn't because of anything that was self-inflicted. Like Getty and Alex were like, we weren't going to tour without mm-hmm. Neil. Like we aren't rush without Neil. And I've got to think it's so hard too, because for the past three and a half years, um, people have been asking, Hey, are you guys ever going to get back together? Some of the Las Vegas hotels were reaching out, trying to get them to do a residency. Um, Getty did a book about bass guitars called the Getty Lee's Big Book of Bass. It's awesome. And it's all about the bass. Um, about the bass. Slapping the and bass. He, uh, <laughs> he's been touring with that. And so people would ask him questions and he had to totally yeah. lie yeah. and deflect. And I just think that would be so difficult. I'm sure you guys might have felt the same way, but I knew they wouldn't tour again. But I, I did yeah. hope mm-hmm. that like, hey, why don't you do us? That, you know, some special event somewhere. I thought yeah. it would be like and a three night event at yeah, maybe Caesar's that Palace happen. or something. It, yeah. it would be hard to maintain their level of musicianship and then just pop up and play. But but it would have been mighty cool. Yeah. And and I actually still have hope that Alex and Getty would find someone who appreciates Neil, like mm-hmm. Mike Portnoy, formerly of Dream Theater, comes to mind. Somebody who can really has the chops and do like a charity event at some point i and, could see I that mean, that happening. would be pretty yeah. fun yeah that it would wouldn't be, be rush exactly but uh three guys playing the songs of rush or something yeah. like that so all in all what would you guys rate this documentary that's hard because i can watch it <laughs> if we use the the vowel rules of rating i it yeah. might even be an a plus for me okay. i mean is it a perfect movie it's not but it's one that i could watch over, I can watch and, over it and over again. again and i think it's because it's the subject matter and i think i enjoy seeing the camaraderie and the friendship and the love that these guys have for each other and the music that they do and so i could watch it over and over again yeah i solid a plus, a, you, a, solid a plus yeah uh, i'm really torn and that's part of why i wanted to wondered why you had took you three times to watch it yeah. because I want to be unbiased about how I feel. I don't want to like this movie because I'm a Rush fan. Right. I want to like it because the documentary is kind of really good. For I think fans in a way. For me, I give this movie, um, and don't hate me, no. a B minus. Mm-hmm. But I think I would have given it like a B plus if I would have watched it with one of you guys mm. because – it is one of those movies that you or documentaries that you either have to really be into it or you're experiencing it with someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think seeing it in the theater would have would have been yeah. a different experience a cool, for me yeah. as well. It was a cool experience um, because there were parts that I was like, oh, that is really cool. But when I see a movie or a documentary and I'm done watching it and I go straight to my phone or even during, you know, I go straight to my phone because I want to learn more. I would have given it. And with this one, I felt like, okay, they're giving me a lot of information and it's nice, but maybe it is because, you know, they're not 
kind of this rock star band. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that. So I went in thinking, Rush. And this then it's be- kind of like watching Mr. Rogers, you know? <laughs> and not that there's anything wrong with Mr. Rogers. No, I, I love, love Mr. Mr. Rogers. Absolutely. But I think it's just because, you know, I had an expectation of something that it wasn't. It's- and then I didn't have kind of a tour guide of your guys' energy there with me. So I think if I watched it again with someone that was really into it, it mm-hmm. would be different. Just like if you see any other movie, you know, like I went and saw Onward um, by myself. And the first part of the movie, I'm like, you know, if I was sitting here with a kid, this yeah. might be better. And then in pure Pixar, you know, whatever, by 30 minutes before the movie's ending, I'm bawling like a child <laughs> because it's Pixar. But like, I love Tom Holland, but I don't really care for Chris Pratt. So that's all I can mm. think about that whole movie. And so I think the same thing with the documentary. I'm all thinking, OK, at some point this is going to get all kind of rock starry and like gritty because I had no idea that they weren't that way. Yeah, they're just no. they're just weren't. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I don't think it was a ba- it was a bad made documentary. I just didn't get into it because I totally was expecting something yeah, else. Totally understand that. Yeah. So now that I know, I can go back and watch it and kind of have that connection with you guys and your stories and be like, oh, okay. So yeah. I think it would be a different grade. So it's, I, it's not my place to ask questions, but uh, I might not be on this podcast ever again. I don't podcast think that there are rules. I don't think there are rules <laughs> here. <laughs> We're pretty. The only rules are no B's and no F's. Uh, That's, yeah. it. That's it. Uh, so I have two questions then for the panelists, yeah. the room. Um, one, rock biopics are really popular now, like really mm-hmm. popular. Um, and they make money and they get big releases. And in fact, that songs win Academy Awards. Is there any possibility that Rush would ever be the subject of that dramatized? I don't yeah. think so. I don't. I don't think so. I don't see them signing off. The, the Motley Crew biopic uh, it comes to terrible. mind. It was yeah. so bad. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I can't imagine it, them saying, "Yeah, that, we should make a movie." It, it, it's, there's just us. not enough drama, dramatic yeah. effect, not enough conflict. Exactly. And and that was the thing too with the band is if they started to go in a direction and one of them didn't agree, then they all said, "Okay, we just won't do that." Um, like the keyboards. Yeah, they were like, yeah. you know, um, okay. Alex was like, "I'm done with the keyboards." I'm done with the keyboards again. He's like, "Okay, we'll we'll kind of pull back." Yeah. And so they were very democratic in that regard. There wasn't this iron fist. We're gonna. This is how this is gonna happen. It very much was a collaborative effort with all of them. What are your thoughts on it, Larry? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I'm afraid that the parts of the conflict would be the parts that they would least like to see on film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of drama in the time when Neil's family died mm-hmm. yes. and he went solo on a motorcycle tour, self-guided motorcycle tour, which, by the way, included Utah a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even he mentioned in a song, uh, Canyonlands mm-hmm. and Arches. Um, I feel like that would be like the the center conflict, the centerpiece of the film. And then the resolution that well, amazing. They played again. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, that's sort of the, and it would already be the best movie called ghost rider. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Nick Cage would play. Oh, no. I just see, now you just ruined it. Now you just ruined it. Get out. This is the thing though. It's like with the, some of the movies that I've seen lately as I'm just, I'm out there thinking any movie can be made if you have the right pitch. So if you can pitch that, you can get it made because yeah. I've seen a lot of crap. That would be my centerpiece. I just of the don't film. know if the family would ever give. I agree with you. Well, you could do the, the unauthorized version. Yeah. Um, but, but I, the odds are strongly against it. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that. Um, Neil co-wrote a book with Kevin J. Anderson, two books, actually clockwork angels and clockwork lives. Um, that has been picked up and is in kind of a pre-production type of thing. It's a steampunk fantasy. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's being discussed. The rights were purchased, whether or not anything comes of that, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I think that's as close as we're going to get. Cool. I like that we did a documentary this time, yeah. guys. Yeah, that was fun. We'll have to do another one sometime. I'm going to go home and watch it again. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's interesting because I've always listened to the band and I listen to a lot of music while I'm at work. Um, but like the last six weeks for a chunk of the day every day, I've just been listening to their albums on YouTube just on mm. random and just going, man, these songs are so good. Really good. Well, so complex, but you, so digestible. My friend Val and you guys, my friends, should go with me to the Primus show in July. They are, they are playing the first half. They're playing a Rush album. It's in, in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And then they're playing a Primus set on top oh, cool. of that. So they're playing uh, Farewell to Kings, the whole album. Oh, cool. Which, and the tour is called the Farewell to Kings. Yeah. 
which I thought was very classy. So I am super excited for it. Like we, we won't see a rush show again in our lifetimes, but no. that will be pretty damn. I almost said the F right there. Pretty damn <laughs> close. Pretty damn close. I'll tell you the, have I talked to you about the band? Why, why not? No, uh, there's a band out called I'm, why, why I not? Know of them. Um, the guitarist lives in California. The bassist lives in Florida. The vocalist is a young lady. Um, and they do a lot of their early stuff, but they have two albums of their own material. But I saw them live and I was like, that's as close as I'm getting to another rush show. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, I think that's the time, all the time we have for this one. Hopefully there's no complaining emails to Tracy about this one. No, if you want to send emails (laughs) talking about how much you love rush, we can send them to podcastmoviesandmakers.com. And if you, if you're not really a fan of the band, check out the documentary. I think it's a great entry point. Um, and, and there's so many albums and so many albums are very different from each other. So, you know, check out the really is something for everybody. Really, really. And even, even at least case scenario, check out one of Neil's drum solos. I mean, the guy was just a beast. He would, and it's interesting because when the first time I saw them up close, because the first couple times I saw him, I was in high school, I was up in the nosebleeds, but when I had a job and I wasn't married and I could afford to splurge. Um, it was amazing to see how hard he would hit those drums. He almost didn't need to mic them. Yeah. You thought the podcast was over. <laughs> what? I mean, I'm going to leave it but, a bit wait, there's more. Like there's, one, there's one other thing I would have loved to see included in the documentary. Uh, Neil went through a stage where he completely changed his drumming yes. style and grip and went to a drum teacher for two solid years to reinvent how he played drums while he was at the top of his game. And he was a big fan of Buddy Rich, the big band guy. And he has a couple of Buddy Rich albums, which I recommend mm-hmm. checking out. Mm-hmm. But I really, really felt like that was missing in the documentary. That I would totally, it's, yes. It's yes. there. Is it? It's yeah. there, but it's not. I mean, it's, they, they, they have, I mean they've got a whole segment where he's the Yoda of drums, the Freddie Gruber. Freddie Gruber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and talking to him. So there's a little bit of it in there. Maybe a little bit more would be mm, good. Yeah, I, I felt, I just, yeah. Yeah, but which I thought that part was amazing that here he is considered Widely the, the best, best drummer in the drummer. world. And well, he's the saying, best rock drummer. Best rock drummer well, in the world. Well, some people yeah. would say best drummer, but he's like, hey, I want to challenge myself. I want to learn something different. If I can find a way to play better, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So so always, that's that's our lesson for today, kids. Always find ways to improve. Find and, ways and to be improve. Better. Be an individual. Don't let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. Celebrate, and people, s- celebrate people while they're celebrate alive. Celebrate people while yes. they're alive. And Absolutely. see you at the Primus show. All right. Yay. Thanks so and much. I for- won't do any singing because I can't hit any of those notes. <laughs> this is like the one time where the singing would actually be appropriate. It's appropriate. You, you sing at the end of at almost end of every almost episode. Every. I, full disclosure: the next time I listen to a podcast will be the first time I listen to any podcast. Oh wow! wow. That's all right. I've been on a few, but I've never listened, oh. even to myself. <laughs> Well, on that note, thanks for listening, <laughs> and we won't see you at the movies. Fly by night, fly away from here. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.